0: is Deborah, and you know what i like to do today? I'd like to introduce our team to you. Um, this is Annalisa, that's David, James, Linus, Ivan, and Shin. We're part of the worship team today, but you know what? So are you. Together, let's lift our voices, our hearts, our hands, in worship to our God, who was, who is, and who is to come. So please stand and join us now.
1: Our sins are many, but His mercies are more, so much more. That is a great song that really celebrates the mercy and the kindness of our God, that the greatness of our God is greater than our sins. And that's why we gather every week as God's people to sing praises, to sing praises for God's gospel, to be reminded of God's goodness to us. We come as God's people to celebrate the Lord's Supper. Listen to what Paul says about the bread and the cup, about what we do when we celebrate the Lord's Supper in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's a short verse, but packed with richness. Let me read from 1 Corinthians chapter 10. It's not the cup of thanksgiving for which we give thanks, a participation in the blood of Christ. It's not the bread that we break a participation in the body of Christ because there is one loaf we, who are many, are one body for we all share the one loaf This is a magnificent, remarkable thing about the Lord's Supper because when we come together and we celebrate the Lord's Supper it's not merely just remembering intellectually what God has done through the bread and wine something unique, spiritual happens Listen to what Paul says. It is a participation in the body and blood of Christ. When we take the bread, when we take the cup, we're participating in the gospel message. We are taking hold of that message that God has given us in Christ. And we're saying, I believe in that. I trust in that. This gospel message, this life, this death, this resurrection of Jesus, I believe in that. He is my Lord. So when we come as we celebrate this together as god's people and take these elements in faith we are actively taking hold of these promises of god in christ our faith is nourished our faith is strengthened and we're saying to each other saying to ourselves and saying to god i believe and follow jesus and we're doing this together as what as one body as one church one of the first things that the christians did in acts Acts chapter 2. This is uh, what we see happening in the beginning of the church. Verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching, to fellowship, to the breaking of bread, and to prayer. This is what the first Christians did. And we are still doing that to today. We are united with them because we are one body with Jesus. We have a God who forgives in Christ. We have a God who who has loved us and given us His Son. And as we celebrate the Lord's Supper, we are saying, we're taking hold of those promises. Despite our sinfulness, despite our transgressions, God sent Jesus into our world, lived a perfect sinner's life, died to death to satisfy the wrath of God that we deserve. And He rose again for our justification. That is the mercy and greatness of God. And so we come together every week. We slow down, we celebrate, and we participate in the gospel promises of Jesus when we take communion. That is what we're doing this evening. So as we come, if you are a believer in Jesus, this is our opportunity to take hold of God's promises. If you are a parent here, you have children here, and... This is something that you've explained to them and they profess faith in Jesus Christ, that Christ is their Lord and Saviour. They are welcome to come and participate in the Lord's Supper. And if you are here, you're not a Christian, we ask that you remain seated. This is something that Christians we do, trying to remember and trying to participate and trying to take hold of their promises in Christ. Let me pray, and then we will celebrate the Lord's Supper together. Father God, we thank you for Jesus, our Lord and our Saviour. We thank you for his life, his death, his resurrection, through whom and through which we all stand as, as one church, as one people. As we celebrate the Lord's Supper this evening, we are taking hold of those promises, that we're participating in his body, participating in his blood, saying to each other, to the world, that we follow Jesus our Lord and our King and so we pray that by your spirit this evening strengthen our trust and our faith once more in our Lord and our Saviour in his name we pray Amen let me invite the first few rows to stand to make your way forward to receive the elements, please hold the bread and hold the cup at the end we will partake of them together This is the body of Jesus given to us. Let's take together. And this is the blood of Christ shed for us. Let's drink together. Let me pray. Father, we thank you. Thank you for the gospel. Thank you for your mercy mercy that is so much greater than our sins and because of Christ we can stand before you righteous in Jesus name Amen Let's stand and sing
0: through faith in Jesus, that we come to you with confidence and in awe. So please help us to dwell in your presence, to engage with you today in our hearts and in our minds, as we hear from your word, and as we fellowship with one another as well. To you be all the glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Please say hi to someone sitting around you before you have a seat.
1: Well, good evening everyone. My name is Chin. I'm one of the pastors at Subi Church. And one of the things that we do as God's people, as a church here at Subi, is that we memorize scripture together. And we've been looking at the attributes of God to memorize this year. We want to remember who God is. We want to know, you know, what God we worship. We sing praises to Him. We want to know what kind of God we worship. And so we want to memorize the attributes of God, this uh, God that we worship. So, on your seat there should be a card that looks something like this. P- please pick it up. We have a new passage for the month of November, and we are remembering and memorizing the fact that God is Almighty. So, we are looking at Revelation chapter one verse eight. So, let's say that together, and then I'll say a little bit more about that particular passage. Revelation chapter one verse eight. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. It's a great passage from Revelation. As God declares that He is the Alpha and the Omega, Alpha and Omega is the first and last letter of the Greek alphabet. Basically, He's saying, I'm the first and the last. I'm the beginning and the end. He is the source and sustainer of all things. That's the idea. He is eternal. He is eternal everlasting. The one who was, the one who is, the one who is to come. He is everlasting to everlasting. He always is there. He always exists. So when we pray to God, we don't have to wonder, God, are you there? He is always there. He has existed forever, and that's why He is the Almighty. He is in control, sovereign over all things. He is there from all eternity past to eternity future. He is Almighty. That's the kind of God we worship, the kind of God we sing praises to, the kind of God that we can pray to. Otherwise, why pray? Why pray to a God who is incompetent? We don't. But the God of the scriptures, He is God Almighty, the one who is sovereign, the one who knows and is in control of all things. Let's say that together one more time. So take the time, once again, to memorize this as a family, as a church. Because we want to remember who God is. Let's say that once more. Revelation chapter 1, verse 8. I am the Alpha and the Omega, says the Lord God, who is and who was and who is to come, the Almighty. Fantastic. So keep doing that. Keep remembering the God that we worship. It is time for our primary school age children. Let me invite you to head to your class upstairs. Uh, If you are here, if you haven't registered your children, feel free to do so in the kids' reception area. We do have primary school-age classes for them to learn more about Jesus. Thank you.
2: Hello once again, everybody. Welcome back to Subi Church. And a very warm welcome to anyone here who is new or visiting. My name is Kanaina, and I'm part of the ministry, um, ministry team here at Subi Church. You might find a connect card like this on your seat or beside you. And a connect card is just a great way for us to get for you to get in touch with us. And you can RSVP to events, ask for prayer, and so on. Um, we'd also just love to get to know you better, so please fill one in and drop it into the connect card boxes at the back of the auditorium or in the foyer. Of course, you can also scan in a QR code. It's behind me and also on the back of the seats, and you'll find in various parts of the auditorium, and you can submit a connect card online. We're now going to move into a time of praying for our offering. The giving of our offering is an important part of our worship. We worship God with joy. We worship Him with thankful hearts because of what He's done for us in and through Jesus. And it's a joy and privilege that we get to participate in gospel work this way. A convenient way, is to, uh, a convenient way to give is to do so online You'll find a leaflet with instructions on how to do that in the cubby hole in the back of the auditorium. You'll also find an offering box there as well for you to drop in uh, your physical giving if you prefer to do it that way. Shall we now pray for our offering together? Our Heavenly Father, we come before you today in awe of what you've done for us in and through your Son, Jesus. We thank you that we are recipients of your love, your mercy, and grace. As we desire for others to believe and know this also, may you bless our offerings. We pray that they would be used effectively so that many others might have the opportunity to hear and believe the gospel of Jesus. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. Thank you for joining me in prayer. Um, I'll now go through a few upcoming events. Tomorrow, we'll be running a church membership class. And this is happening straight after the Sunday 10.45 service. And it will be held upstairs in the activity rooms. And this is a good opportunity for you to come and find out more about Subi Church. We'll go through topics like what we believe, distinctive characteristics of our church, and what it means to be a member of Subi Church. Lunch will be provided... And you are most welcome to join us, even if you haven't RSVP'd. Um, so this is the church membership class happening tomorrow after the second service. This Wednesday is our women's ministry night. We'll be having a it's in the bag packing party. We have the great privilege of listening to some teaching by Debbie Main. We'll also enjoy some food and fellowship together. So if you plan to join us this Wednesday night, it would be wonderful if you could bring um, along a handbag to pack the items in. If you have anything to donate, you can drop those items off at the Subi Kids reception just outside and you can do that anytime this weekend. So the packing party itself will be happening this Wednesday night from seven thirty to nine PM in the church cafe. We have our community coffee morning coming up, that's next Saturday, and as you know, this is a monthly um, outreach to our local community as they walk past our church to get to and from the markets that happen just across the road. Um, It's a lovely, casual atmosphere, and you're most welcome to come along and invite your friends as well. So this is happening next Saturday in the church cafe, 10 to about 12 noon. And lastly, we'd like to announce our upcoming AGM and election of Elders. Our AGM is happening at the end of this month, so that's on the Sunday, 26th of November. And again, it's happening straight after the 10.45 a.m. service. And we will, of course, also have some Elders up for election this year. And we'll be introducing them to you at our services next weekend. Then over the next two weeks before the AGM, church members will have the opportunity to elect our elders. And that will all happen outside in the foyer. So if you're not yet a member of Sui Church and you'd like to become one, please let us know as soon as possible via your connect card. We'll get in touch with you with more information. And remember also that we have our membership class tomorrow happening as well, and you can find out more then. So those are all the announcements for today. Shall we now move into a time of prayer before the Lord, as we prepare our hearts to hear from God's word. Please join me, and I will lead us. Our Heavenly Father, we bow before your majesty and greatness. We acknowledge that you are the creator of all, and that you are sovereign over all things. You are Lord Almighty. The angels cry out, holy, 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 in view of your transcendence. In our sinfulness, we deserve only your judgment and justice, yet in your mercy and grace, you've drawn, us, you've drawn near to us through Christ by your Spirit. Through your promises in the Gospel, we have known your goodness, your grace, and your kindness. We pray that as we gather once more as your people, you will reveal more of yourself through your word today by the power of your Spirit. We praise you that your Holy Spirit dwells within us today We pray that your spirit continues to transform, guide, and comfort us. By your spirit, we pray for the continued transformation of our hearts. Please help us to mortify the sins in our flesh and grow in our Christ-likeness. Lord, we pray for revival in our hearts and in the hearts of those who don't know you yet. By your spirit, please continue to guide us as we live in this ever-changing world please provide us with your wisdom as we seek to be faithful to you in our daily lives. May our lives reflect the love of Christ to those around us and help us to be salt and light in your world. By your Spirit, also please comfort us as we go through struggles and hardships. Please be with those who are going through tremendous pain and suffering. We pray especially for those who are going through really tough health issues. We pray also for their loved ones during this time. May your spirit be a sweet presence to them. By your spirit, empower Pastor David as he brings us your word today. We pray for the powerful proclamation of your word and the renewal of our hearts. We pray that the same spirit who breathed out the scriptures will breathe your words into us in a fresh, powerful, and gripping way so that we may see you more clearly and love you more dearly and follow you more nearly we ask and pray all this in jesus name amen
3: our bible reading today is from acts 2 verse 1 to 13. If you, are an, if you are able, I invite you to stand as we read from the word of God. Acts chapter 2 verse 1 to 13. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. Some, however, made fun of them and said, They have had too much wine. You may be seated.
4: G'day, church. Great to see you. Uh, For those watching online, so glad that you could join us. My name's David, one of the pastors here, and a special warm welcome to you, especially if you're visiting. I want to begin with a question. Uh, Do you have a favourite sport? You have a favourite sport? Yeah. What is it? Rugby league. Rugby league. Anyone else? Badminton. Badminton. Yeah. Mine is uh, mine's Australian rules football. That's uh, not working. So can you put put the next slide for me? Mine's Australian rules football. Anyone else likes Australian rules football? Yeah. Um, have you ever watched a game of Aussie rules with someone who doesn't know the rules, doesn't know the game? Uh, it's fun just to let them watch for a while without explaining the rules, and they like just sit there bewildered trying to work out what the heck is going on. They're like next slide please. They're like, okay, so if you hit the ball through if you kick the ball through the goals, you get a you get a goal, you get a point. No, no, you get six points. Okay, six points. Uh, if you if you kick the ball, it hits the post and it goes through, like every other game in the world, you still get six points, you still get Uh, Six points? No, you get one point. Right, you get one point. Now, if you miss the goals, what happens? Well, you get a point. What, you get a point for missing? No other game in the world do you get a point for missing. Well, yeah, you get a point for missing. It's Aussie rules. Or what if the ball uh, hits the two smaller posts? Well, you get nothing. Why? Well, because you missed. Uh, Can you pick up the ball and, and run with it? Yes, you can, but you've got to bounce it every 15 metres. What? You've got to bounce an oval ball. Yeah, it's Aussie rules. Uh, And I've noticed that when you, when I, when I watch that, you can't make contact with the shoulder above the shoulders. You can't make contact with the head when you tackle. Yeah, that's right. But you can stand on someone's head if you take a mark. The next slide, right? But hang on, no, you said you said you can't make contact with someone's head. No, you can't when you tackle but you can stand on someone's head if you want to take a specky, right? Now, without an explanation, Aussie rules is bewildering. But as soon as you explain the rules, it all makes sense, and it's the best game in the world, right? Now, it's like that with the event that we just heard read about in our Bible reading, the day of Pentecost. Together with the birth, death, resurrection of Jesus Christ, the day of Pentecost is the most important set of events in the history of the world. But the event by itself is bewildering. It needs an explanation. The problem is is that there are a whole lot of explanations floating around about the day, about what happened. What does the event mean? Right? We've got a sound of a violent wind coming from heaven. We have fire descending and landing on each of the disciples. And we have this strange speech. Well, today we're going to look at Pentecost, the event, the explanation, and the effect that it has in our lives some 2,000 years later. Uh, if you've been here the last few weeks, we've been doing a series in the book of, uh, well actually not in a book, but in, uh, on the Holy Spirit. Uh, and we've been looking at the, the, the promise of the coming of the Spirit. And then today we're looking at the arrival of the Spirit. So firstly, the first point is Pentecost, the event. Have a look with me in verse 1 of chapter 2. When the day of Pentecost came, they were all together in one place. Now, Pentecost was one of the three Jewish festivals in Jerusalem that all uh, male Jews were required to make pilgrimage to every year. And, And that explains why Jews from so many nations were in Jerusalem. Pentecost means, and many people will know this, Pentecost means 50th, that's right, 50th, because it came 50 days after the Passover festival. Now, for the first time in history, it comes 50 days after Jesus' resurrection. Have a look with me in verse 2. Suddenly a sound like the blowing of a violent wind came from heaven and filled the whole house where they were sitting. They saw what seemed to be tongues of fire that separated and came to rest on each of them. All of them were filled with the Holy Spirit and began to speak in other tongues as the Spirit enabled them. So Jesus had promised he would not leave them as orphans, but that he would come and room with his disciples. And now that is fulfilled in dramatic fashion. The coming of the Spirit was accompanied, as you notice, by three supernatural signs. A sound, a sight, and strange speech. Firstly... Was a sound like a violent wind. We're told it came from heaven and it filled the room in which the disciples were seated in. Now the word for wind and storm and spirit are the same word. The Holy Spirit is not some gentle breeze. The Holy Spirit is God's stormy, overwhelming, powerful person in the created order. The second supernatural sign was fire, which divides up and lands on each of the disciples. Now, if you know your Old Testament, fire accompanied the presence of God when he came before his people. And at the first Pentecost, some 1,500 years before, fire descends on Mount Sinai like a fireball and the mountain shakes. And here on pentecost the fire comes down and divides and divides on each of the disciples heaven comes powerfully to earth again but god is doing something completely new on the first pentecost god gave the law on this pentecost he gives the spirit now we're not told exactly what sort of experience it was for the disciples we're told that it was a sound like the blowing of a violent wind, and what seemed to be tongues of fire. But that's as far as the explanation goes. We're not told the details, are we? Uh, artworks throughout the centuries show how differently people have imagined what this event would look like. Have a look. Throughout the years, people have tried to depict what it might have looked like. Have another one. And another one. And movies also have tried to to depict what this event might have looked like. I want to show you a very brief uh, clip from a movie. We're not, we're not told exactly what it looked like it may have been something like that that was pretty awesome uh, the coming of the Spirit was accompanied by three supernatural signs a sound a sight and then speech and in Old Testament times if you know your, your, your Old Testament when the Holy Spirit descended on people what happened? they spoke the word of God and here the Holy Spirit descends and the disciples speak the word of God but there's a twist isn't there? what's the twist? They speak languages that they'd never learnt before. Now, right now is ATAR exams, and that would come in very handy, I reckon, right? Don't have to study. Walk straight into your French exam and just get 100%. What's going on? Have a look with me in verse 5. Now, they were staying in Jerusalem, God-fearing Jews from every nation under heaven. When they heard this sound, a crowd came together in bewilderment because each one heard their own language being spoken. Utterly amazed, they asked, Aren't all these who are speaking Galileans? Amazed and perplexed, they asked one another, What does this mean? Some, however, made fun of them and said they have had too much wine. So Jerusalem was crowded with Jewish visitors who had come to the festival from all over the known world and they were utterly amazed at hearing Galileans speak languages from all over the world. Now, Gal- Galilee, as you know, was in the north, a long way from the capital, Jerusalem. And people thought that, the, that those from Galilee were uncultured, they were uneducated country hicks, right? But they're speaking the languages of all the known world. What is happening? The crowd cannot fathom what is happening. Their scepticism assumed that this unusual behaviour was because they had too much wine. We, the reader, have been told that it's the spirit that has supplied this supernatural enablement. But those in the crowd, they don't know. They're trying to work it out. So that's the event. But the event by itself, without an explanation, is bewildering. You can't just look at the event and go, I know what's happening here. We need an explanation. And there are a whole lot of number of different explanations floating around for what happened. But whatever explanations people give, For this Pentecostal experience, the Apostle Peter gives us the inspired, authentic explanation. And he does it in the next few verses. So, second point, Pentecost, the explanation. And Peter's explanation has two parts. Explanation number one, the last days have begun. Have a look with me in verse 14. Then Peter stood up with the eleven, raised his voice and addressed the crowd. Fellow Jews and all of you who live in Jerusalem, let me explain this to you. Listen carefully to what I say. These people are not drunk. As you suppose, it's only nine in the morning. So when someone is intoxicated, what do they sound like? I was going to give an impersonation, but I thought better of it. They slur their words. Their words are jumbled. They don't make sense. You can't understand them. But the astounding thing about this event was that everyone could understand what what they were saying. That was the point. That was the point. How is it possible for uncultured Galileans to be speaking languages of the whole known world? Well, what does Peter say? He says, next verse. No, this is what was spoken by the prophet Joel. When did prophet Joel speak? Hundreds of years before, what did he speak about? He spoke about the last days. In the last days, God says, I will pour out my spirit on all people. Your sons and daughters will prophesy. Your young men will see visions. Your old men will dream dreams. Even on my servants, both men and women, I will pour out my spirit in those days and they will prophesy. So in these last days, Joel says, the spirit will be what? Poured out. Now the word poured out there, it means to be a torrential downpour. That's why Jesus referred to it as a baptism of the Spirit. Baptism means to be immersed, to be plunged. God's gift of the Spirit is not a drizzle. It's not a shower. It's an unprecedented deluge, the coming of the Spirit. In the Old Testament, remember, the Spirit had just been distributed to particular people on particular occasions for particular tasks, Kings, judges, priests, uh, prophets. But the promise is that every person, regardless of age, sex, class, race, will be given the Holy Spirit. And it won't be a drizzle and it won't be a shower. It will be an unprecedented deluge. It would be like nothing that had ever been experienced in the world before. And God's people in the Old Testament would be so envious of someone, a believer, who had the Holy Spirit dwelling within them. It was like nothing that they had experienced before. So Pentecost was the demonstration that the Spirit had come, and the Spirit, the arrival of the Spirit, was a demonstration that it was the last days. Now, what's the significance of that? Have a look with me in verse 19. 17, sorry. In the last... uh, No, 19. I will show wonders in the heavens above and signs on the earth below, blood and fire and billows of smoke. The sun will be turned to darkness and the moon to blood before the coming of the great and glorious day of the Lord. And everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. With the coming of Christ, there had been God-given dreams at Jesus' birth, remember? At the death of Christ, the sun had gone dark for six hours... There had been signs on the earth below, with Jesus' jaw-dropping miracles. And Jesus said that more cosmic events would be coming as the immediate prelude to the day of the Lord, that time when Jesus would return and judge his, judge his enemies, save his people once and for all. When was this going to happen? In the last days, the Spirit was going to be poured out. So the la- when, it, when are the last days? Have a look at this next diagram. So between the first coming of Christ and the sec- second coming of Christ is the overlap of the ages. They are the last days. We are in the last days. We are in the last days. And G- Joel says this is when the Holy Spirit's going to be poured out. So the coming of the Spirit at Pentecost was the proof that the last days had arrived. The coming of the Spirit was a demonstration that God's consummation of history had begun. You and I, we are in the last days. Time is linear. A lot of philosophies say that time is circular. Time is linear and it's coming to an end and you and I are part of it. And the proof of that is the coming of the Spirit. Now, the prophet Joel did not indicate the length of time between the outpouring of God's Spirit and the outpouring of God's judgment, But the outpouring of God's spirit is the proof, the demonstration, that that day is going to happen. We are in the last days. Judgment will come. We're in the last days. So now is the time of salvation. Now is the time of salvation for our world. And whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. That is the significance. That's why evangelism is so urgent. These are the last days. Judgment is coming. But whoever calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. Now, when Joel prophesied hundreds of years before, the, the Israelites had been scattered by their enemies in judgment. Right? And they had been forced to learn the languages of their captors. But now everything has been reversed. Because now they are hearing, in the languages of their captors, the words of salvation. Everything has been reversed because these are the last days. Salvation has arrived. So that's the first explanation. The last days have begun. The second explanation from Peter, he says, King Jesus has been enthroned. That's why the Spirit has come. Have a look with me in verse 32. God has raised this Jesus to life and we are all witnesses of it, exalted to the right hand of God, he has received from the Father the promised Holy Spirit and has poured out what you now see in here. Here. So the enthronement of Jesus and the pouring out of the Spirit are directly related. What the crowd can see in here is a demonstration that Jesus has been enthroned in heaven. Because, as the one who dispenses the Spirit, Jesus was now acting with the Father, sharing in his heavenly rule. So the coming of the Spirit is a demonstration of Christ's present power and glory. The central figure of the new age is not the Spirit who is sent, but it is the Christ who sends the Spirit. And if you read Peter's sermon, you keep reading it, The content and the purpose of Peter's sermon is not to talk about the Holy Spirit. It's not to talk about speaking in tongues. It's about the reign of Jesus as Lord and Christ. Have a look at what he says in verse 36. Therefore, let all Israel be assured of this. God has made this Jesus, whom you crucified, both Lord and Messiah. So, what's the explanation from Peter of these strange things that are happening? The last days have begun. Judgment is coming, so call on the name of the Lord. And this is urgent because it's the last days. It's not the penultimate days, it's the last days. And the second explanation is King Jesus has been enthroned because the Spirit can't come until Jesus has been enthroned. Finally, Pentecost, the effect. What is the effect for you and for me in our lives? Even some 2,000 years after the event. Well, when the crowd heard what Peter had to say, what happened? They were cut to the heart. They were convicted of their sin. They, they were conscience stricken. Because if Jesus was indeed the Messiah, then no guilt could be greater than the guilt of treating Jesus the way that he had been treated. No wonder they ask. Next slide. Brothers, what shall we do? And what does Peter say? Repent and be baptized, every one of you, in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins, and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. If Jesus is Lord and King, then there's only one right response, and that is to leave your old allegiances to whatever they might be and give your full allegiance to Jesus. That is the only right response. And to repent. It means to repent and then to be baptised, which is the symbolism of that. Because when you go down in the water, you're dying to your old life. It symbolises dying to your old allegiances, your old life, coming up out of the water to new life and new allegiances. But why the speaking in tongues? Why the speaking in tongues? Well, a group of... uh, Christians, called the Pentecostals, who are our brothers and sisters in Christ, they say that the disciples speaking in tongues on the day of Pentecost, it should be the norm for all Christians. They say that speaking in tongues is the evidence of being filled with the Spirit, and those who don't speak in tongues, they say, have not been baptised with the Holy Spirit, and so they are living a second-rate Christian life. Anyone like getting told you're living a second-rate Christian life? No. What do we make of that? Well, I think this goes against what it actually says in the text itself, don't you? Because the apostles, they speak in tongues when the Holy Spirit falls upon them. But there's no mention of any speaking in tongues, no mention of any supernatural signs when the 3,000 are converted. In fact, there are only two other instances where conversions are accompanied by speaking in tongues in the whole of the book of Acts. It's far from a uniform experience, and the rest of the New Testament, as you read through it, doesn't prescribe it as a uniform experience either. In Acts, it appears to me that tongues occur at times when the gospel and the spirit go to... uh, to new places, they go fresh to new places. And it's just the the speaking in tongues and the praising God testifies to and authenticates the truth of the gospel. In 1 Corinthians, which we're going to look at next time, Paul says that tongues is given as a gift to some Christians, but not all. Baptism in the spirit occurs at the time of conversion. It's not a second experience. Every person who is converted has experienced the baptism of the Holy Spirit. You've had the Holy Spirit being poured into you. So every Christian has the baptism of the Holy Spirit. The consistent effect of people being baptised in the Spirit is not that they talk in tongues, it's that they are cut to the heart and and that they repent. The staggering response to Peter's speech and the baptism of the Holy Spirit is what? Is that 3,000 people repented and were baptized? 3,000 people. At the giving of the law at Mount Sinai at the first Pentecost, can anyone remember what happened to 3,000 people? They died because of their disobedience. But at this Pentecost, 3,000 people come to life because of the Spirit more repented and followed Jesus in one day here than during the whole of Jesus' public ministry. Jesus had said to his disciples that they would perform greater works than his when he leaves and departs. Why? Because then the coming of the Spirit would, would, would happen. And now that's exactly what was happening. The Spirit was here. Jesus' death and resurrection accomplish salvation the spirit applies salvation so you and i we are not deists deists accept the existence of god who created the world but they say that god is not involved in the running of our world he just stands back he's not involved No, we are not deists because our god is not distant our god is not inactive christ is the enthroned king of heaven who has poured out his Spirit in every one of you, if you are a believer, and he hasn't poured out a a shower, he hasn't poured out a drizzle, he has poured out an unprecedented deluge. The Holy Spirit is not some vague, soft wind. The Holy Spirit is God's stormy ruach, his overwhelming, his irresistible power, and he lives in you. The same spirit who came upon the apostles and turned the world upside down by them preaching the gospel lives in you and he lives in me. The same stormy, disturbing, overwhelming, dynamic ruach of God. And some of us need to let him overwhelm us. Some of us we're in an age when he needs to overwhelm us because we are in the last days. We, we need... For him to overwhelm us and give us the power to speak the name of Jesus we need his power to overcome the enemy to overcome sin we need to allow him to dwell in to not to dwell in us but to live in us and to to to, to pour out of us into the world to change us we need his power to speak the truth of Jesus we need his power to overcome the enemy What effect is he having in your life right now? Let's pray. Father in heaven, we thank you for the day of Pentecost. We thank you that you are doing something completely new, pouring out your spirit. It wasn't a shower. It wasn't a drizzle. It was a deluge, Lord. And we thank you that your spirit filled the disciples and it's filled your people ever since. And as a result... You have emboldened your disciples to go to the ends of the earth and speak the name of Jesus. And as a result, we here today in Perth, the opposite side of the planet to Jerusalem, we have heard the gospel. And I pray, Lord God, that we would allow your stormy, disturbing ruach to overwhelm us, to give us the power to speak your truth to give us the power to overcome the enemy, to overcome sin in our lives, that that power would do that in our lives. We thank you that with your spirit comes life. And I pray that you would fill this church, this this body of Christ, with your powerful, dynamic, overwhelming Ruach, your spirit. I pray, Lord, that we would see his effect in our lives in a dramatic way. And I pray it in Jesus' name. Amen.
0: What an amazing God we have. Let's stand and let's praise him.
4: anyone would like some prayer, if you'd like anything that's going on in your life, you'd like to talk about it, one of us uh, the staff will be down the front, one of the leaders will be down the front we'd love to pray with you, let me finish with a benediction Father, I pray that you would fill us with your spirit that as we walk out of these doors, we might be equipped to serve you this week to overcome the evil one, to speak your truth into this world of darkness to be those that love to be those that forgive to be those that shine your light and I pray in Jesus name Amen